Well, it's great to see you all. Sorry that I couldn't make it a few weeks ago. Um, I had to uh, message John very late on a Saturday night. My mum very sadly had a stroke, so I ended up having to drive all the way down to Devon uh, to visit her. But you guys uh, uh, screened into Erin, which I'm sure was a, a fantastic morning. So uh, we managed to get another date in, so we are really blessed to be with you today. I come with the full tribe. So I've got my wife, Fiona, and uh, our three children. We've got Ella, who is six, uh, Judah, who is four, and Zach, who is two. Um, they take after their mother, so you'll definitely hear them in kids because they're very loud. So, uh, yeah. I apologise in advance if they uh, start screaming the place down. But it's great to be with you. We, um, I want you guys to know we love you guys at Life Church, and uh, we may not, uh, you may not see us face to face as much as we would like. But we are, we're praying for you all the time. We have an early morning prayer meeting, and we lift you guys up in prayer every week. We thank God for you and everything that you guys are doing here. So we want you to know that you are definitely part of the family, and we love you a lot. And uh, we've been praying for you this morning in our uh, pre-service prayer meeting for what God's going to do this morning. So um, yeah, I'm really excited. This is the message I'm going to share this morning is, is kind of like something that I, I, I love and I live. It's something that I am super passionate about. And I'm going to be speaking this morning. The title is If You Take Notes. And what we say at Life Church is if you take notes, you're guaranteed to get into heaven. So uh, I recommend taking it. I don't know how theologically correct that is, but um, it feels good, doesn't it? But um, if you are taking notes and you want to remember it, the title this morning is That Church, My Church. That Church, My Church. A couple of weeks ago, I went to Audi. And uh, there's an Audi right by our church. And uh, I was buying some stuff for uh, our, uh, an after-school project that we run. And you always look a bit strange when you're buying a box of 50 packs of Oreos, you're buying 20 pints of milk and four lots of squirty cream. It's not your average weekly shop. And uh, I went in there and I was buying this and the guy behind the till as he's doing the 48th packet of Oreos is a bit like, uh, are, you, are, you from, are you from that church over there? And I said, that church? What, what's that church? And he went, oh, you know, that church, the church under the bridge, Life Church, I think it's called. And I said, yeah, 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 that's, that's my church. That's, that's who we are. And we had a little conversation about who we are and what we were doing and why I was buying so many treats. And um, it really got me thinking of this whole idea of, I believe that for those of you who call Hope Church home, that we should change that church to become my church. That when people drive past and they go, oh, are you that church that's, as you drive into living, is that you? Uh, are you that church that's got that banner out the front? Are you, are you that church that, that does that, this and that? And you go, yeah, actually, yeah, that church, that's my church. And that's the journey that I want to take us on this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, hopefully it's going to come up on the screen because we're going to be reading from the message translation this morning. Um, so if you haven't, hopefully you can follow along, and if not, you get to listen to my beautiful voice. Ephesians 2 verse 19 in the message says this. This is plain enough, isn't it? You are no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You are no longer strangers or outsiders, but you belong here. With as much right to the name Christian as anyone else. And God is building a home. And he's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and in what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. And now he is using you, fitting you in brick 
by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it's taken shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, and all of us are being built into it. A temple where God is quite at home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have brought us all here this morning, Lord. Not by uh, default, Lord, but by design. That, Lord, whether we understand it or not, Lord, that you are orchestrating and you are weaving our lives, Lord, into a beautiful tapestry, Lord. That you are weaving us together into a beauty, beautiful thing that you call the church. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us here this morning. And I pray, Lord, that it would not be my words that are spoken, Lord, but it would be your words. The Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would use me, Lord, in a way that only you can. Lord, that these words would speak life, Lord, that they would challenge us and that they would encourage us, Lord, to leave here more like you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but I have been raised in church. To the extent of I wouldn't have been surprised if my mum said to me that you were actually physically delivered in church. Because from before I was born, after I was born, the whole of my life I have been in church. I can count on one hand the amount of Sundays that I have missed in the whole of my life. One of them was the day that our youngest, Zachary, was born. And we had an evening service. And I said to Fiona, he was born about 10 a.m. in the morning. I said, I'm, I'll be back in a bit. I'm just off to church. And she says, you are going nowhere. So uh, that was one of the Sundays. Um, but I, I just love church. I was that kid who came in on a Sunday morning. We don't really do it nowadays, but I used to have one of those mini guitars, and it had gold star letters saying Luke on it. And I can literally remember to this day running up and down the aisle, playing my guitar, thinking I was the next Tim Hughes or something. And I just, I loved church. Uh, I, I, was just, I was just born in there all the time. We didn't have a car growing up. So me and my mum, sometimes if we couldn't get a lift, I would walk. Our church was over an hour away. I remember many Sundays that we would walk for an hour just to get to church because it was something that was so important to my mum and something that she ingrained and taught in me. I was that kid who, who, who didn't get a babysitter that used to come to every evening meeting. And I remember like the, the gap in between the chairs, that was my little den. And I remember taking a little toy, a little Hot Wheels car, and night after night, I remember falling asleep. I was allowed to take a blanket, and I was allowed to fall asleep. And we used to meet in a church hall. It was what we call put-down, put-up church. We didn't, it wasn't our building. And I remember waking up many Sunday night after Sunday night with all the main lights on, all the chairs gone, and just everyone looking at me, and it was a bit weird. But I used to sleep in church. I used to wake up in church. Church was where I was. I remember giving my life to Jesus in church at the age of five. I remember being baptized in the Holy Spirit at a young age. I remember being in water baptized in church. I remember finding my best friends in church. I remember my first ever girlfriend was found in church. My best friends, as I said, I met my wife in church. Some of my best memories, my funniest stories, my greatest moments have happened in the place that we call church. See, church for me was more than something that happened on two hours on a Sunday, but it was, it was a principle. It was the, the foundation of my week. It was a non-negotiable. Like for me, I played football as a kid growing up on a Saturday morning because church was a Sunday. And I don't know whether it was because I loved Jesus, whether I knew my mum would batter me, um, probably 50-50, but at, at one stage it changed to me fully loving Jesus. 
But I remember we used to have three services. I grew up in Exeter and Devon. And we had a 9 a.m., we had an 11 a.m., and we had a 7 p.m. And I remember going to all three of them because we didn't have a car. In the gap in between, we stayed through. We stayed in church. And I remember as a 12-year-old rocking up to band practice one Sunday morning, being able to play the guitar very poorly. And the bassist was sick, and he didn't turn up. So the worship pastor turned to me and goes, Luke, you're playing bass this morning. And he got a sheet of paper and he drew out the frets and the strings and he put the letters of the chords on it. And I played bass at the 9 a.m. service and did it terribly. Got a bit better for the 11 and by the 7 I was okay. But I became the church bassist. And every Sunday I would get to church at half 7 in the morning and I would leave at half 9 at night. And I'd be there all day. I loved it. It was a place that I wanted to be. In fact, Aaron, who many of you know, he was my youth pastor growing up. And his dad, John, was my pastor. So many of the scars and the ill traits I have are because I've spent half my life under the leadership of a Partington. So please pray for me. But I was a church kid. And to be honest, I still am. I love church. Sunday morning, for us as a family, it's what we do. My kids, I go early. I like to make sure the heating's on, the lighting's on, make sure the coffee's on, and make sure all the teams have got things ready. If we're live streaming, I want to make sure that the stream's working for you guys. I'm often texting John, can you hear okay? Is everything okay? Why? Because I love it. It, it, it's my home, it's the place where I am. And now my kids have, have caught hold of that and, and they're like, Dad, we want to come early with you. And, and now they've got jobs and we launched Christmas last week and they were putting all the leaflets on every chair and making sure that everything was ready. Why? Because church is important to us as a family. And it's important for me and Fiona for us to model to our kids the importance of God's house. To the extent of coming here this morning, they were like, we get to go to church. And the fact is, different churches, they were so excited about it. And if we're ever on holiday, we want to find the church on a Sunday. Not out of religion, but out of relationship to a Jesus who loves me so much that he went to the cross. See, See, church for me is an opportunity to come and to praise the one who is worthy of praise. Church is an opportunity for me to come and be family with my family. See, I grew up, it was just me and my mum. I had no brothers and sisters. My dad left me when I was one. So for me, church was far more than two hours on a Sunday. Church was my aunties and uncles. Church was my grandma and my grandpa. Church was my brothers and my sisters. I remember on my birthday getting a pound sellotaped into my card. And if your birthday fell on a Sunday, then you were jackpot. You were, you were cash in. Because all the old ladies would come and give you your, your one pound. So I remember on Easter Sunday once, I got 38 Easter eggs. It was incredible. Because it was my church family. And I don't know whether you understand it or not, but that's what John and Ruth's heart here is, for you to be more than just a crowd, but for you to be a community. For you to be more than just a bunch of people who come in, but people who do life together, who celebrate the good times, who high-five the birthdays, but also to, to be care and compassionate in the hard times. See, church is important. And I want to look at the idea today, as I mentioned, moving from this idea of being that church and someone else's responsibility, but to it being my church. That if something's not right, it's not just down to, to the leadership team to make sure that the heating's on and the place is tidy and that the coffee cups get washed away, but we all take ownership of it, that it becomes my church, that you take ownership of this incredible thing that God has entrusted us to have. 
So let's just go first to the Bible because that's obviously really important. And uh, in Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus says this. Now to you, Peter, which means rock, upon this rock I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. So if you remember last time, I like the whiteboard because yours is a lot bigger than mine uh, at church. So we're like going to rub this and hopefully it's going to block the screen for a minute, but it'll be okay. So let's just unpack the word church for a moment because... Uh, I like to understand the actual root of something. The Bible wasn't written in English. Um, it was written either in Hebrew in the Old Testament or Greek in the New Testament. So for us, it can be really easy to mistranslate what God's actually asking us to do. And if you go to any of your friends or neighbors or colleagues, or if you go to someone in, in Lidl down the road and say, hey, what does the word church mean to you? I guarantee they'll say old building, pews, cold, irrelevant, and judgmental. Because that's what the people on the Wirral think, so I can only presume it's, it's similar here. But we know that the word church is life-giving, it's community, it's, it's, it's welcoming, it's, it's grace, it's forgiveness, it's love, it's kindness. It is the relationship and the power of the Holy Spirit today. So let's just go to the beginning, because the original word that Jesus is using there is ecclesia. Can everyone say ecclesia? Ecclesia, which is spelt like this and I'm a man so I can only do one thing at a time so bear with me ecclesia so ecclesia means to be called out so that's what Jesus is saying to Peter where he's saying you will be my church and I on uh, you'll be my rock and on you I will build the church what he was saying is it's not about a building it's not about a temple it's about a community of believers who gather under one name the name of Jesus who are then called out to make a difference in their community I love what John was saying in that prayer time about how you want to be a church that the community needs that is the very heartbeat that Jesus was talking about but what happened throughout the years and, and what happened through, throughout translation is we've lost this original word for church. Because this is the, the assembly, the body, who are united by a common goal. This word for church is mentioned 115 times just in the New Testament. See, the early Christians, the early followers of Jesus understood that it was not just about coming to a place, but it was about being a people who are living called. And it just so happens to be that we gather to unite, to encourage, to inspire, to then go out and make a difference again. But the word we use for church doesn't come from this word ecclesia. It actually comes from a, a, a German word, an old English and German word, which is kirka. Kirka. See, the word kirka means of the Lord. awkward when you can't spell the word the um, it's of the Lord see that's where we get the idea of this temple this building this this holy sanctuary I was speaking at a church where, once in London and um, they had they had all these signs up and and you could not touch anything you could not touch the speakers, you could not touch the, the certain pews, you could not touch certain flags because it was, it was, it was so sacred and, and it was so ancient and historic. And I think sometimes that's what people feel about church. 
And actually, we want to be a community that says, hey, you can come in here and you don't have to play the part. You don't have to look the part. You don't have to talk the part because you are welcome in this place. But yet the Germans, what they did is they gave us this word, Kirka, and I can't even spell Lord. Sorry, that's just terrible. Um, and what they've done is they've made this place and it's been all about the building. And over the years, we've lost this, this heart of being called out. And instead, what we've done is, is we've kind of been, been sucked into this believing of it's all about this place for two hours on a Sunday morning. Now, that is important. I'm going to get to that in a moment. But if, and Aaron uses this phrase all the time, if this is it, then we've missed the point. It, it, if it's all about this, then we've, we truly have missed what Jesus was trying to teach us. So what happened is a bit of history for you. In, in th- 313 AD, a guy called Constantine basically became a Christian. And he made Christianity cool. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to build all of these incredible places because Christianity at that time was this, was this underground, oppressed movement of people who were living called out. But what he did is he found faith and, and he was a leader at the time and he was like, hey, no longer do you need to live in like underground small churches, house churches, whatever you want to call it. No, no. I'm going to give you permission. Actually, I'm going to give you money to build these incredible places where you can come and gather. And that's what started to happen. And then, and, and then throughout the rest of history, these incredible cathedrals and churches have been built. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against those places. If you go into them, you can feel the presence of God. Don't get me wrong. But actually, we need to move away from just being focused on the building. Buildings are great, and I'm sure you thank God for this place. We thank God for the building that God has given us. But but the building can never give you an encounter with God. It has to be the power of the Holy Spirit in us. See, we don't live for the building, but we live for the man called Jesus. And the building is purely a vehicle to use to bring people to him. So what happens is, is we've gone through and then in, 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 in 1522, William Tyndale translated the Bible for us. And, and, and we came in this place where he wanted to use this word ecclesia, but no one truly understood what it meant anymore. So he, instead he put in the word kirka, which is why we have the word church that Jesus speaks about when we see it throughout the New Testament. So why am I giving you this history lesson? Well, because I think it's important for us, if we're going to go and be the church, invite people to church, have a church that's going to impact people, we first need to understand what we're originally called to be. And we're called to be a group of people who are called out to impact people with the good news of who Jesus is is we're called to be the gathering of God's people the hands and feet that go beyond the Sunday that go into our Monday our Tuesday our Wednesday our Thursday our Friday and our Saturday because that is what the church of God is called to be I love this quote which is we're not called to go to church but we are called to be the church every day of the week and you know as well as I do that we are part of the big church, the, the capital C church, all the churches in and around this area, and, and in fact, the UK and the world. And, and God is coming back for the church. It is the bride of Christ that Jesus is coming back for. But I want to focus this morning on the, on the little C. I want to focus on Hope Church. I want to focus on, on us as a community and what God is calling us to be. But really quickly, I just want to just really quickly take you through the Old Testament and just give you some examples of church, which is going to lead us into where I want to land this morning. So in Exodus 25, we first come across the tabernacle. 
Now, for me, this is the first example of the local church, the gathering of God's people in a place. See, Moses has just led the Israelites out of Egypt towards the promised land. They're in this wilderness looking for guidance, looking for, for, for someone and, and, and something to help them along the way. And they turn to God. And God gives Moses the instructions to build this tent, this meeting place for him to dwell. A place where God can be at home. So the Israelites, they build the tabernacle. They build this tent of meeting. And it is the the dwelling place of God. It is portable and they take it with them wherever they go. And in fact, it was the center of the community. The whole of of the Israelite community was pointing in to the tabernacle. It was the center and everything came out of that. It took all the Israelites to build it. They all had a role. They all had a part to play. They all had to bring something to the party to make it happen. And in Exodus 40, verse 36, it says this. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey. They would pack it up and they would go to where the cloud set. And again, that is where God would want to dwell. Now, we don't have a tent, thankfully. We don't, it feels like it in our place sometimes, the amount of holes that we've got in our building. But it feel, we don't have a tent, we don't have lampstands or, 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 or old altars or anything like that. But we, you also have a part to play. John's not texting you in the, mo- in the morning and saying, hey, um, you're at the back there, can you make sure you bring the oil for, for the lamp so it doesn't run out, please? We, we don't live in that world anymore, but you all still have a part to play. All the believers knew their part and knew the responsibility that they had in order to move the tabernacle wherever God told him to go. So that was the tent. It lasted roughly 480 years until Solomon came along and constructed a permanent temple, a dwelling place in Jerusalem for God to dwell. And you can read about that in 1 Kings verse 6. And this temple lasted about 400 years until it was destroyed and then rebuilt again. And it's been added to and added to over the years and destroyed and destroyed again over the years. And now we only have one wall of the original temple remaining, which is the Wailing Wall. Which if you've been to Jerusalem or you see, you can see the remains of it there. That was the temple of God. And people would come to that place and they would worship God in the temple. And actually from that place, many other temples were built because people, it was too far for them to go to that place. So they started building their own temples where they were to be a place where they could worship God. The purpose was the same. It was the the housing place for the temple of God. It was the place where the priests would make the sacrifice for the people coming in in order to make them clean before God. But fast forward to Acts 2. Jesus has come. Thank goodness I did not have to fit five goats in my car this morning to take the place of what Jesus did. And Jesus came, and, and what I love, and I love this idea of, 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 of a, there was a curtain, as many of you will know, that blocked the presence of God. And, and only, the, only, only, the, only the, the high priest could go in once a year into the Holy of Holies. But what I love when Jesus died and rose again is that the, the curtain was ripped and it was ripped if you, you can read it from top to bottom why was that because we can never reach the top Jesus came down and he tore it so that we can find a way and and and, and the book of Acts now goes on to say that we have become the dwelling place of God that we are now God's holy temple 
Now, I look at me, and I think I'm not much of a holy temple. I didn't realize God wanted such a round temple, is, uh, is what, what my daughter would probably say. But, but we are the dwelling place of God. Just think about that for a moment. God longs to dwell in you. He wants his presence to find a home in you. That you don't need to come to a special place. You don't need John to say a a special prayer over you. But daily that you are the dwelling place of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's the journey that God has taken us on. He's taken us from this journey of a tent to now we becoming the dwelling place of God. Acts 2, many of you know the the passage of scripture where all the believers were in one place and then suddenly the presence of God fell. Would God have sent the Holy Spirit if they were all at home watching Sunday brunch? We don't know. But we do know that where there was unity, where the believers came together, that that is where God dwelled. And that's why it's important for you to be here on a Sunday morning. Because when we come together in all our different shapes and sizes with all our different stories, God weaves together this beautiful tapestry. Just look around at the person next to you, behind you. Just look around. Give them a little smile. Give them a little wave. You are all God's temple. There is no other way in society that, that we would be friends together. It's not the way that the world works anymore, but that's what I love about the church. From the very youngest to the very oldest, to the one who's been a Christian for donkey's years, and the one that's only just found the good news of who Jesus is. We are God's holy dwelling place. And where there is unity, God does command a blessing. Where there's unity between different churches, but also where there's unity in the church. And that's why it's so important for, for us as a church, and I include me in that, in that statement as well, for us as life and hope and for you as hope individually, we have to be unified. We need to pray for our leadership. We need to make sure there is no gossip. We need to love one another and have grace for each other. See, God sends the Spirit and the people devote themselves to the things of God in Acts 2.42, which leads us to the original verse. Because Paul, who's writing this letter to a church in Ephesus, is saying, okay, right, you know the law, you know the history, you know the tabernacle, you know the tent, but now do you know that you are God's dwelling place? That brick by brick, he, 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 he's building you together. Now, this would have been absolutely revolutionized the, the people. It would have been groundbreaking for them to think that they don't have to go to this place anymore. They don't have to give any offer of, of an animal sacrifice, but they are the dwelling place. And I think it's important. That's why I wanted to take you on that history lesson to bring you to this place where you can again have that awe and that wonder that God wants to dwell in you. So when we've all got that understanding, which hopefully we have, that God dwells in us now, now I want to look at what that means for us as a community. And I want to give you just four points really quickly out of, out of that um, passage in, in Ephesians 2, which I hope is going to challenge you and equip you to be not just that church, but for this to be my church. For you to have that ownership over this incredible thing that God has entrusted to us. Are you ready? Four things really quickly. The first one is, it starts with you. It starts with you. See, verse 19 says, you belong here. See, a passion I know that John and Ruth have is that this is a place where you belong. 
And it's not, you don't have to believe everything. You don't have to have all the right behavior yet, but you belong here first. Because actually, this is a place of belonging. This is a home. This is a, a community for you to belong in. And actually, how you see the church has a massive impact on what the church means to you. If you see it as a place just to come, sing a few songs, have someone talk to you, get a cup of coffee and then go, then that's all the church is going to be to you. But if you see the church as a place where you are invested in a community that you love with a people that support one another, then that's what the church is going to be to you. And how you see the church is how the church impacts your life. See, for me, something that I want to do is I never, ever want to become familiar with the cost that Jesus put on us having this encounter this morning. See, Jesus put the cost of his life on the place that we can meet together. And there's been men and women throughout history that have put their life on the line so that we can freely meet like this today. Because there's people around the world who have, got, have to have gunmen and bodyguards on the door to protect them when they want to meet under the name of Jesus. But we freely get to do this this morning. See, Jesus gave his life to pay for my sin. Jesus gave his life so that I can meet with the Father in oneness this morning. Jesus gave his life so that I can be a temple of God. So how much more should I be able to give him time on a Sunday morning? How much more should it be a priority for me to make sure that I am here? Did you know that if you attend church one in four Sundays now, you are a regular churchgoer, according to statistics? For me, a regular churchgoer, and this is just my revelation, there's no pressure on you, is, is every week. It's just a non-negotiable in my diary. Sunday morning is church. That's it. It, 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 there's not this, oh, I've got something else on, or, or no, no, that is what I'm going to do. No matter how busy, how bad, how good my week has been, there is never a Sunday that Fiona and I will go, should we go this morning? No, I don't, don't really feel like it. With, with respect and in love, that doesn't matter because we're about being together. And actually those times when I really don't feel like it are the times that God has spoken to me the most. The time that God told me to move to a different part of the country where I was going to meet my wife was the very Sunday that I did not want to go to church. And actually, God wants to speak to you every single week. Why do I come to church? Well, because it's a weekly opportunity for me to publicly praise God for what he's done for me. I do it daily in the, in the private time, but publicly I want to do it as well. I want to publicly thank him for what he has done for me. I want to give myself to the church. I want to make sure that I am planted and as a result, I know that I will grow. So the first thing is it starts with you. It starts with you making a decision that you belong here, that this is your church and a place where you will grow. The second thing I want to unpack is that you all have a part to play. It's not just down to, to Joe or, or Malcolm or Jess to lead us in worship. No, we're all worship leaders. Wherever we're sitting, we are leading people in worship. It's not just down to, to John or whoever's preaching to, to prepare themselves. No, no, we all have to prepare ourselves ready for a Sunday morning. It's not just down to the two or three who are serving tea and coffee to, to be friendly and nice to people. No, we all have a part to play. And, and you don't have to be on staff or on a specific team or have a lanyard to play your part. No, no, every single person can play your part. Part of my role at church is, is not just the young people, but it's looking after new people and making sure they get connected into church. 
And the amount of times I speak to people and I say, oh, did you enjoy your visit? And they're like, yeah, I did. And I was like, oh, great. Did you manage to speak to people? And it's very rarely that they'll say they spoke to me or Aaron. It's, it's very rare, in fact, that they'll say they've spoke to someone on the welcome team. But it's incredibly likely that they'll speak to someone who wasn't on team that morning, who didn't have a specific role or title of new person. But no, they just spoke to someone there. And they'll go, oh, yeah, I had a great conversation with so-and-so. And I'll look through the rotor and I'm like, they weren't even on team that morning. But they're part of a community where we all have a part to play. In verse 19, it says he's using us all brick by brick. So not only do I want to attend on a Sunday, but for me, I want to give my life to the church. And, and I'm very fortunate now that I get to, but it's only been in the last two years that I've worked full-time for church. I'm now 30. I know I don't look like it. But um, for 28 years, I gave my life to the church, working full-time, but serving God as well. It's not just about being the minister. It's about playing our part. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27 says this, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you have a part to play in it. See, Paul is describing this image of a body and everybody playing the part. You're, most of you will know the passage. What, what would it be like if we were all an eye, then we wouldn't be able to hear. If we were all an ear, then we wouldn't be able to smell, etc. And as it goes on, I wrote this down. Churches can suffer, not because there aren't enough people, but because people aren't functioning as part of the body. See, there's a, there's a rule that they, whoever they are, say that 20, 80% of the work could be done by 20% of the people. Why can't Hope Church buck that trend? Why can't 80% of the people do most of the work together and the 20% of those new people who are learning how to play their part? Brick by brick by brick. See, one brick by itself is not significant. But you get a group of bricks together and you can start to build something beautiful, incredible that can reach this community of living. The other thing I will say about this is that sometimes, if anything like me, you think that your brick is the most important brick. Because I know I do. I think that the youth area of Life Church is the best and the most important department, should have the most budget, the most resources, because that's how we, we live. We live that our brick is the best brick. But one thing I've learned is that submission will take you further than ambition ever will. And when we submit, as God instructs us to, to, to the leadership of the church, that actually God can take us far greater. And there's been times where I've been like, well, I don't want to do what Aaron says. I want to do things my way. And actually, I, I don't want to do things that way. I, 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 my, I've got a better idea. And some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, if this is my church, then I would do the lighting differently, and I would have the songs differently, and I certainly wouldn't wear burgundy trousers like John's wearing. I mean, who, who, would, who wants to wear them? They're great, by the way. But actually, God calls us to live in submission. And I know for me personally, as I have submitted to the leadership of Aaron and Rachel at Life Church, that God has given me far bigger opportunities, that he's made my platform, so to speak, far bigger, and the influence that I now get to have far greater because I've lived in submission. A couple of months ago, I got invited to our local council, to our local town hall, to a meeting with local head teachers and heads of the council about how to transform youth work on the Wirral. The only reason why I was sitting on that round table of about 20 people is because I've submitted to the leadership of Aaron and Rachel. And because I've submitted to their leadership, it has taken me further. So your brick might be the best coloured. 
your brick might be the best idea, but let's live in submission to what John and Ruth are trying to build here. It doesn't mean that we, that we can't do what we want to do. It doesn't mean that, that, that we can't have sometimes an honest conversation, but it means that we go, hey, this is an idea I've got. I'm bringing this to you. Here's my brick. Where do you want my brick to fit in this bigger picture of church? If we're part of Christ's body, then it should mean that when people see us, they see something beautiful. Going on, sorry, I'm taking ages this morning. The next thing I want, you, I want to know is it requires investment. So it starts with you. You all have a part to play. And the third thing is it, start, um, it, it requires investment. Verse 22 says this beautiful line that we are building a place where God is at home. Three years ago, Fiona and I were fortunate enough to be able to buy our first home. We had rented and rented and rented and we managed to... Um, pounder Fiona's dad enough to lend us the money that's probably the best way of saying it um, to buy our first home and I remember walking in and and me and Fiona we were so excited we were like we've got this amazing property we're gonna this sofa's gonna go there we're gonna we're gonna paint that wall there we're gonna do this in the kitchen and this will be our bedroom and that'll be Ella's bedroom and 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 I'm there and I'm like yeah this is fantastic Fiona but this is gonna cost us a fortune and then a a couple of weeks ago Fiona's like I want to move the kids bedrooms around So I was like, great. So we started totted it up, and I was like, it's going to cost so much money. But when you build a home, it requires investment. That building was not a home just when we moved in there. It was when we started to put our little touches on and our little trinkets and our things that make it a home. See, if you want Hope Church to become your home, it's going to require an investment. I personally, something that we do as a family, is we tithe 10% into the local house. It's an investment from us into the local church, knowing that God is going to use it for his glory to advance his kingdom. Our job isn't to to say how it gets spent. Our job is just to invest into it and trust that God will do what only he can do. It requires an investment of my time. See, even before I was on staff, it required evenings. It required getting up early to come to early morning prayer. It required getting to church a little bit earlier to make sure the coffee's on and the place is heated up But whether you're on team. It requires an investment. But can I let you into a great secret? When you're invested, you love it all the more. See, I'm, I'm going to go to John and Ruth for lunch today, and I'm sure they've got a beautiful home. But I'm not going to love it as much as I love my home because I'm not invested there. And they love it, but it's not my home. I love my home because I'm invested there. And, 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 and I could go to a church down the road and meet God in an incredible way, but I love this place more. Why? Because I'm invested here. And, and we're invested here as Life Church. We're, why we love you is because we're invested in you. We want to spend time with you. We want to equip you. We're invested here. And where you invest, you will love. Hebrews 10 puts it like this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we have. For God can be entrusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect the meeting of together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, we need to take ownership of Hope Church, ownership of Life Church, and we need to make it my church. And I know that you guys are the best church in the world and you're all already doing this anyway. But I wanted just to encourage you once again to, to not get tired of investing into, that, into this place. Not getting tired of, 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 of giving. To not get tired of, of playing your part. 
Because if I can be honest, even as someone that now on staff, there's some mornings that I don't want to go to church. There's some days that I don't want to go into the office. I don't want to do my work because I'm a human being. But actually, when you make an investment and offer a, a, a sacrifice, as the Bible speaks, that's where God can move in an incredible way. The final thing I want to, to encourage you with this morning is that it starts with you. You all have a part to play. It requires an investment. And then finally, it should go beyond the Sunday. It should go beyond the Sunday. If all we are doing is gathering together with just us and we lock the doors and don't let anybody else in, then, then we've missed the point. But actually, what we do, who we are, should go beyond a Sunday. I love the fact that I got to tell that person in Audi on the till about my church. I love that because it was, a, it was a Wednesday afternoon and I got to tell them about church in a really normal way. I wasn't in there with my Bible, walking around with it open in Audi, waiting for someone to ask me. No, just in who I was. And, and, and we went to a coffee shop the other day. There was a new coffee shop that opened by us and I like to talk to people. It's, it's, it's what I do. And uh, I got chatting to this guy and he was like telling me about his coffee shop and he was like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I work for a church. And he's like, man, you don't look like the kind of guy that works for a church. Like, where's your dog collar? And, and I was starting to tell him about the things that we do. And he's like, that sounds like an amazing church. And I was like, yeah, it is. Because what we do should live beyond a Sunday. Not just in the activities of the church, but in who we are as God's people. Ephesians 2, that, the passage that we read, it says that we are the temple. Which means wherever we go, wherever we stand foot, whoever we speak to, that we are God's church. I love this quote. It's going to come up on the screen. It says, you will never change the world by just going to church, but you can change it by being the church. We'll never change the world just by coming here 10.30 till midday every Sunday. Sorry. But we will change it when we take it out of these four walls and start to impact our community. And what that looks like, looks like kindness. It looks like, isn't it really annoying when you're an Audi? I shop in Audi because, you know, it's great and it's cheap. Um, but so, I don't know if you're all little, same kind of thing. But when someone's got like a massive trolley and you've just got two items, it's the most annoying thing in the world. And what's more annoying is when that person does not let you in. It's so annoying. It rages me. I, two rages, that and road rage. They're the two things. Apart from that, I'm the perfect Christian. As if. But sometimes it's just going to person, hey, hey, you can go in front of me. And that's kindness. Sometimes on the road, and this is a difficult one, it's just giving that person, let them, letting that person out in front of you. Maybe you're in the coffee shop and you think, oh, I've got an extra couple of pounds, and say to the person in front of you, hey, I want to I buy your coffee. I've got a friend of mine who, who loves doing this, that when the person, you know, on contactless, he'll have his card ready and he'll just go, tap, and he'll pay for the person's coffee in front, and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> And he's like, I just wanted to buy you a coffee. And sometimes they'll go, why? And sometimes they'll go, ah, oh, thanks. And not every conversation leads to you praying over someone or inviting them to church, but we should just be able to be someone that people go, there's something different about you. I, I don't know what it is, but there's something different about you. Wouldn't it be amazing if all the people in this area started to notice there was something different about us and they, they start to notice that there's people around us. And I was in Curry's the other day buying a vacuum. 
and uh, the, the guy was asking about it, and he was like, why are you buying this vacuum? Is it for your house? I was like, oh, no, it's, it's, it's actually for the church. He was like, oh, cool, what church is that? And I was like, oh, it's, it's Life Church. He was like, oh, not another one. I was like, what do, you mean, what, do you, what do you mean not another one? He was like, I served someone this morning who wouldn't stop talking about your church. This guy called Simon. Do you know Simon? Yeah, I know Simon. He's great. And this guy, just for who we are, was blessed by selling something to us. And I said to him, I said, you know, they always often ask for feedback. I was like, I'm going to give you feedback. And he went, Simon did. Simon did the same thing. We didn't give him a tip. We didn't pray over him. But my heart and prayer is that he left that day thinking, something different about those people that go to life church that they're kind that they don't mind waiting when there's a queue or whatever it is but we're called to take it outside and I truly believe that when we do that that we can make a difference as I was studying for today's message I I like to read lots of different commentaries and and lots of different people's thoughts about a passage and and learn from people because I'm not the best bible scholar in the world and I read this commentary I want to just read this to you as I close it says this He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He's used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation, and he's now wanting to use you. You have a part to play, big or small, significant or insignificant, but you are building a home where Christ is at the center. And you will see it take shape. Not in the immediate, but day after day. All of us being built into a temple where God is at home. I don't know about you, but I want to be a living stone, as Peter speaks about in 1 Peter. I want to be someone that is being used for God's glory. And whether that's buying a vacuum at Curry's, whether it's buying milk and Oreos for milkshakes at our youth project, or whether it's the incredible privilege, which it is this morning, to be able to speak to you today. I want to be someone that just goes, God, whatever I have, use it for your glory. Whether I'm blessed enough to be able to financially sow into the house, or whether I've got two hands that can put a fresh paint on the wall every year just to make sure that the building looks nice. God, would you use me? And would that church, would it become my church.